Well, good morning to my humble group of friends and volunteers who are in this room and to many more of you who are listening online. Great to be with you here this morning as we continue in this series, Speaking with God. And this morning we are looking at the 23rd Psalm. And Psalm 23 is the most loved passage or one of the most loved passages in all the scripture literally in the history of the writing of the entire world for people of faith and even people outside of faith but in the thousands of years since the 23rd psalm has been penned there's no um, consensus or conclusion or um, um, sense of um, clarity on what prompted the writing of the psalm what's the trouble that brought about the writing of this psalm that has spoken to people for so many years. But although we don't know what prompted the writing of it, because of the um, imagery that's used in the psalm, we'll see it in a second, um, that was taken out of many other passages in the Old Testament, this whole shepherd imagery, because of that imagery, the central message of this psalm is crystal clear, which is this. The Lord is a trusted guide on the path of life, right? In this life, a strength must be found. In this life, a way must be walked. In this life, fear must be overcome for every one of us. And this psalm shows us the way. So you have a copy of the Bible, open up or a listen as we read, as I read the 23rd Psalm in a message titled, A Declaration of Trust, A Declaration of Trust. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he refreshes my soul. He leads me, guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the Bible is filled, back to this imagery, okay? If you were to read the whole Bible, you know, in, in a year, or if you do that, if you were to carefully read the scriptures, really Old Testament and New, but David's Bible was the Old Testament in a manner of speaking. It's full of references about God as shepherd, okay? He's not inventing anything here. But in all the references in the Psalms and in other places in the Bible, it's always the Lord is our shepherd. This is the only time, the writing of the 23rd Psalm, where a writer personalizes these, this imagery and says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's why this psalm has become so famous, or one of the reasons. It was, a, it was an amazing thing. It's like saying, you know, he is, you know, my uh, father, or, you know, my, uh, you know, the, the head of this company, he's my dad, you know, kind of thing. The Lord is my shepherd. And this is our challenge, really, and our opportunity this morning for you, for me, here in this, this morning, to personalize this psalm to personalize the truths of this psalm to make these declarations of trusts in your life 
uh, in my life this morning. So, David does three of them, okay? Three declarations, you might say, of trust that he makes and that I'm encouraging you to make in your life as you personalize this psalm for your life today. The first one, really in the first verse, I have what I need, okay? I want you to think about that. This is what David's saying. I have what I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, okay? Now, he's going to say what that means in the rest of the song. What actually is he talking about? He's talking about you know, you know, material possessions, talking about money, he's talking about food. What is he saying when he says, I lack nothing? What am I encouraging you to think about to make this declaration in your life today that I have what I need? What is he trying to say? But before I answer that question, the psalm answers it for us, I want to just begin this brief sermon with this question. I want you to ask this question to yourself, right? All of us, I can, there's not a lot of times where I can say this as a pastor, but I think I can say this to everyone listening to me. All of us have lost something in the last hundred days or so, right? Whether that's your job, some of us have lost loved ones even, right? Or many other small freedoms in between. We have all lost something, but my question is this. In the midst of the situation you are living in today, Can you say, I have all I need? That is the important thing. That's what David's saying. David's not saying he has everything he needs, every last want. He says, of the important things in life, I have what I need. Things that can't be uh, bought or sold or lost or stolen. That's what he's talking about. Can you say that? Can I say that today? When David says, I have lack nothing. He's not just talking about his own personal experience. He's not just making a declaration to say, listen, when it comes to the important things, I want to say this morning, and and David is preaching a message too, he's not just saying something about himself, that I lack nothing, but in his sort of sermon to his community, which has spoken to people for generations, he's, he's also building on the collective memory of the people of God, and he's going back to one of the central experiences. This is what we do in life, and you ought to do this. How has God done a work in your life in the past year, or listen, in the past 20 years? And this is how our faith becomes strong, as we go back into that collective memory and say, God has done it before. He has shown up before. I can trust him now. And this is what David does, and he goes back to, this is where he gets the imagery that he uses in the first verse. He goes back to one of the greatest memories in the people of God, and it's, his, it's God's protection and provision in the wilderness wanderings. If you know your Bible history, many of you do. The wilderness wanderings where God walked with the people, right, out of Egypt for 40 years. Listen to these words. This is where David gets his image. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 2, verse 7, is Moses' sermon, okay, hundreds of years earlier, four or five hundred years earlier, Moses is giving a sermon, his final words to the people of God before they enter into the promised land. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years... The Lord your God has been with you, and wait for it, you have not lacked anything. 
Okay? Now think about this for a minute. This is, where, this is where David's getting his words. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord was, you, was talked about as the shepherd of Israel in the wilderness wanderings. He's not inventing this language. He's bringing it forward to make a point about his own life. The Lord is my shepherd. But when, when, when Moses said you didn't lack anything, what was he talking about? He wasn't talking about you know, uh, 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 you know, drinks by the pool and the lake house. He wasn't talking about things that they might have wanted. He said they didn't lack anything that they needed right for 40 years the wilderness wanderings were a time of great challenge and difficulty those of us who know that story right there was all kinds of challenges they didn't come out of Egypt so they could live in the wilderness they came out of Egypt so they could live in the promised land right this was the land in between and it was difficulty and it was challenging and they had to get up and they had to move and they were constantly on the move and constantly where they were under pressure from other nations, if you know that story. But what does he mean that he lacked nothing? This is what he means. For 40 years, every single day, bread came down from heaven. Every single day, water came out of the rock. It says, for they, the, the children of Israel wandered for 40 years, and the shoes on their feet, they never wore out. Right? They didn't have any you know, pay-less shoes in the wilderness. They, didn't, they, they had one pair of shoes. The clothes on their back did not wear out. He said, listen, for 40 years... Moses says, God took care of you on your way to the promised land. And when it came to the most important things in life, you lacked nothing. That's what he's saying. And David uses this image. Why? Because David's saying, listen, much of David's life, listen, much of my life and much of your life, if you're honest here this morning, is lived in the vast wilderness. Okay? We're on our way to the promised land. We don't live in it, in a manner of speaking. It was lived in the, and in the wilderness. Here's the point. In the wilderness, you need a shepherd to guide you through. That's the central message of the 23rd Psalm. You know, a metaphor, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A metaphor says something is what it's not, so that we can understand what it is. You guys don't know the basic understanding of a metaphor, right? God is not really a shepherd and I'm not really sheep. But a metaphor says something is what it's not so that we can better understand what it is. Jesus Christ, on more than one occasion, when he was in the environs of Galilee, walking around uh, the Sea of Galilee, it said on many occasions he looked out upon the many crowds of people that came around him. And he said, he, his heart went out to them. He had compassion on people, right? His heart went out to them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. You know what harassed means? It means stressed out, right? They were harassed and helpless, wait for it, like sheep without a shepherd, Okay? Anybody feel that way today? Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? When it, what's the point? What, how do, what, what's the point of the declaration, I have what I need? When it comes to the most important things, that's what I'm talking about this morning. I'm not talking about superficial things or small things that we use every day. When it comes to the most important things, what am I talking about? Security. I'm talking about peace, I'm talking about guidance. You and I are totally dependent on 
God. That's what David's saying. And I'm not sure that's not the point or one of the main points of what the whole world is going through in the coronavirus. Let me say something that hopefully is obvious to you, maybe uh, 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 um, acutely so in the days we're living in. Control. Now, when I mean control, I mean ultimate control, not, you know, if you're going to stir your coffee, okay? Control is an illusion, okay? Control is an illusion. Control in your life is an illusion. That's what pandemics remind you of. That's what untimely funerals remind you of. Listen, that's what the changing of plans, which we're all doing uh, week after week, reminds us of. And if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, then what I just said is a reason to um, bring about anxiety in your life. That's why the world's you know, kind of losing its marbles a little bit right now because it's, lo- it's, it's been reminded of how out of control that, that, that we, re- we, we do not have control ultimately of our lives. We don't have control. I don't care how much money you have or don't have of the world around us. And we are reminded that and if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, I'm talking to Christians here too, then it's gonna be a source of anxiety for you. But if he is the Lord of your life, if you can say, I lack nothing, I have what I need, the most important things. I know the love of God, I know the forgiveness of Jesus, I know the peace of God that passes understanding. I have the most important things in my life. Then it can be a place of peace. Why? Because God is in control of the world. And God is in control of your life. So the first declaration that David makes that I hope you make that I'm making today is when it comes to the most important things, I have what I need. Do you? Second thing David will say, second declaration is, and this is central to this message, okay? This is the heart of it maybe. I go where he leads, okay? I go where he leads. And this is so important because where you are now is not where you're heading, okay? David's life was grounded in in the real world. You know, sometimes we say, well, you know, pastor or Christian people, their head's in the clouds. David's wasn't in the clouds. David lived in the real world, and he mentions a dark valley, okay? We don't know what he's talking about in the writing of the 23rd Psalm, but if you know the life of David, there were a lot of dark valleys in David's life. There were a lot of enemies in David. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my friends. No, that's not what he says. You prepare a table before me. It's meant to be ironic. In the presence of my enemies. Okay? But not all David's enemies were military. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not that, I don't have enemies because that's not what I do for a living. I'm not a military person. Okay? They weren't all military. What is an enemy? It's a hostile force that opposes you. That's a definition of an enemy. A hostile force that opposes you. That means sickness is an enemy. It means joblessness is an enemy. It means, listen, heartbreak is an enemy. It means fear is an enemy. In fact, the only enemy mentioned in the 23rd Psalm, perhaps because God doesn't want us to say that's not my problem, the only one mentioned is fear, okay? Now, some people in our congregation, some of you, I know this as the pastor, 
you've had real acute loss, right? You've lost your job. You have lost a loved one. Someone has died in the last hundred days. And other loss, real loss, material loss in our lives. But a far greater number of people of you that I've talked to are fearing a loss of a job, fearing the loss of your marriage, fearing the loss of your future, okay? There's where many of us are facing our challenges today. David is not saying in the 23rd Psalm, there's no reason to fear. And if anyone tells you, I don't care if they're a pastor or who they are, listen, there's no reason to fear. We have nothing to fear. They're not being honest with you. Of course, there's reasons to fear. What David is saying is not, there's nothing to fear, but I don't need to live in a state of fear. Why? Because you are with me. That's, the, that's, what, that's what the difference is. It's not the circumstances that you are in. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, the things that oppose me. But David can say with confidence, number one, I have what I need. Number two, I'm gonna go where he leads because I am not alone. I'm with the God of the universe who loves me, who has the power to encourage me and help me deal with fear in my life. Let me say something about David. I mean, he writes the 23rd Psalm. I'm sure the, 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 and under the inspiration of God, we know it's David because it helps us understand because the Bible says so much about David's life, we can understand a little bit of his backstory. The first time that we meet David or almost the first time that we meet David, okay, is when he's a kid. When he's sent on this um, uh, journey or this assignment by his father, to bring some food to his brothers. David's the youngest of eight kids, of eight boys. All seven of his brothers are old enough to be in the military uh, 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 service. They're serving, they're in a a battle with the Philistines, an ancient uh, enemy of the nation of Israel, if you know your Old Testament. They're constantly a source of, of, of antagonism at war. And his brothers are in battle. And in those days... Right? They didn't have you know, rations for the soldiers. Your family brought you food. So David comes out there to bring food to his seven brothers because he's not old enough to fight. When he gets there, 1 Samuel 17, some of you know this story, he sees this kind of humiliating and ridiculous um, thing. There's, there's the two sides of, the, of these two armies and there's this one champion from the Philistines who's taunting and humiliating the, the, the Israelite army saying, listen, you know, just saying humiliating things to them, saying, listen, guys, let me save us some energy here. This is, what the, this is a paraphrase of what this military leader is saying. He said, just send out your best fighter, and instead of us killing all these people and having all this carnage, let's just have one fight, and whoever wins this fight, you pick whoever you want to pick. If you win, we'll serve you. If we win, you serve us. That's it. And this has been going on for days. So David says, what gives? This is, this is, this is a shame to the people of God. And he finally gets into the tent, of Saul, who's the king, right? Somehow David gets into the tent of Saul and David says, listen, my lord, the king, this is, I can do something about this. This is a shame to the people of God. I can help, I'll do it. And Saul says, David, you know, thanks for your, your, you know, your, your offer, but, but you've never even worn a, the military uniform. You're, you're not even of age yet. This guy is a champion of a military leader for the Philistine people. There's nothing you could do. Thanks for your offer. And David said, listen, you're right. I've never worn the military uniform. In fact, what I do for a living, I watch my father's sheep. Can you imagine? I mean, that's the most 
humbling thing you could say. What kind of a resume? I watched my fathership. He said, however, on more than one occasion, a lion and a bear has come and taken the sheep, and I've gone after that. I've taken the sheep out of his mouth, and when that lion and when that bear turned on me, I grabbed it by the hair, and I plunged in a knife, and I killed it. Now, you might think, well, David's just telling you what, a, what an amazing warrior is. But that's not what he's saying. That's how he ends it. The Lord who rescued me, it's not about me, from the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Okay? What David's saying is, listen, I've learned a thing or two about facing my fears. I know exactly what's going on. I can't speak for the army that's standing down. But he says, oh, king, I've seen this movie before. I've lived this movie before. I know what it means to walk out and face the fears. And if I can take a lion and a bear by the scruff of their neck, I can do it with this guy. And David does it. And here's the amazing thing about that story. Uh, is, you know, if that was the only thing you ever did in your life, you'd say, that's it. I mean, that's my trophy. I'm just going to retell that story until the day I die. But this was, this was preparation for David. If you know the story of David, the things that David faced in the many, many years until he was anointed king and after he became king, this was small fries, okay, compared to what David faced in his life. In other words, it was preparation, and I'm not so sure, what's the, what's the application? For many of us, low in this season of the pandemic, right? When we're reminded that we have no control, we are all facing our fears, right? The Lord is a great guide in the path of life. We all have to, there's a strength that must be found. There is a, um, a walk that must be, a road that must be walked. There's fear that must be overcome. This is our opportunity, in a manner of speaking, to face our lions and face our bears, whatever they are. Because God has something greater planned for you. God has something greater planned for me. But you're never gonna be able to say what David said in that moment until you've had some experience to face your fears, to know what it means to have God work and pulse through your veins and your, and your heart and to see God accomplish a victory in your life on your way to prepare for another one, okay? Listen, here's the, here's the key idea. Where you are now, every one of us listening here today, in your life, in your marriage, in your, in your career or non-career, okay? Where you are now is not where you're heading, Okay, that's the point. And the right path, he leads me along the right path. The right path is the one that's going to help you get where you need to go, even if it goes through a dark valley. Okay, that's the point. I don't know how many of you know, perhaps not many of you, the name James Stockdale. He was an admiral in the Vietnam War. He was the highest ranking military officer, okay, in a prisoner of war camp in Vietnam. He was an admiral. And he was in the prisoner of war camp from 1965 to 1973, eight long years and tortured beyond belief, but he survived and in a manner of speaking had a story to tell. Many years later, late 90s, he's studying on the campus of Stanford University alongside a well-known business writer named Jim Collins 
who interviews him. They're both at Stanford. And he tells Jim Collins in a series of conversations about, in a manner of speaking, how he prevailed and survived when many other people didn't survive in the prisoner of war camp. And this turned out to be popularized as the Stockdale Paradox. What is the Stockdale Paradox? The Stockdale Paradox simply is that this this combination of having to um, retain a faith that you will prevail, right? This sense of I'm gonna get out of here, I'm gonna have a faith that I'm gonna prevail, yet at the same time, I gotta have a strategy to face the unknown, difficult, brutal facts of the life that I'm living in. This paradox, it was called the Stockdale Paradox. This is the conversation that they had. Reminds me of the 23rd Psalm. I never lost faith in the end of the story. This is James Stockdale speaking to Jim Collins. I never doubted, not only that I would get out, but that I would prevail and in the end, turn this experience into the defining moment of my life. Okay? Stockdale says, asking this question, well, who didn't make it out? Oh, that's easy, he said, the optimists. Here comes the paradox, right? The optimists, I don't understand. Oh, they were the ones who said, Stockdale, we're going to be out by Christmas, and Christmas would come, and Christmas would go. Then they said, we'll be out by Easter. Then Easter would come, and Easter would go. And then it was Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving would come, and Thanksgiving would go. And eventually, they died of a broken heart, even though they didn't have worse deprivations or worse torture than anybody else. This is the very important lesson, Stockdale said. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you cannot afford to lose. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. With the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. You can go where he leads, okay? Even if it's a dark valley. Because he is with you, right? He is with you. David says, listen. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I can fear no evil. I don't need to live in fear because you are with me. Now, you might say to me, listen, Rob, how do I do that? Give me some practical advice, Pastor. Let 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 me quote the words of Jesus, the great shepherd. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Okay? How do I live out the 23rd Psalm? How do I go where he wants me to go? How, do I, how does the presence of God become real to me so that I can say like David, you know, um, the Lord will rescue me? Let me tell you, the primary way, I listen to, my sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. You need to have the word of God in your life. It needs to work its way into your heart that is the scriptures so that you can pray on them, you can meditate on them and it's through that prayer, it's through that meditation that God's presence is with you so that you can face your fear. So number one, it's, it's, 
It's more committed time in the word of God. Maybe that's the challenge for all of us in the coronavirus. And second, of course, it's time with community. You might say, well, gee, we're, we're, we're strapped, Pastor. We're all sitting home. It doesn't mean you can't be in connection with other people, right? If you're in a small group, you don't need to be in the same room to be prayed for. You don't need to be in the same room to encourage one another. You know one of the things that Stockdale did? What is an amazing thing about his story? He, um, he was the highest ranking guy, so as soon as he came into this um, prison camp, he became, in a sense, they, they maintained their military protocol. He was, he was the number one ranking guy. And he created this system, this elaborate system of communication, you know, done through various and sundry ways, you know, banging spoons and, and, and various codes that they carried with them from the military, that they could communicate to each other for two reasons, so that they would not um, fight isolation and stay encouraged. And they did this through the number of ways, but there's this one story in the book, he said this, at one point, during an imposed silence, even for a series of times, they would have an absolute imposed silence. People couldn't talk. They couldn't knock on the thing. They couldn't bang their spoons. There would be imposed silence. During one time, during an imposed silence, the prisoners mopped and swept the central yard using the code, Swiss swashing out, we love you, to James Stockdale on the third anniversary of his um, crash into the sea. Okay? Isn't that amazing? You want to know how you can go where he wants you to go? You know how you, can, how you and I can say, I have what I need? You need to have his presence. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. How is he with you? Through your commitment to the word of God, through getting it in your bones, in your heart, in your mind, and through living it out with community for people who can say to you, right now in this season, swish washing their brooms, however you do it, that you are loved. Okay? You are loved. I have what I need. I can go where he leads me. Last declaration. I am pursued by his love. Ultimately, David discovers that it's not a change in circumstances it's the transformation, it's his relationship with God, I should say, that ultimately is transformed. Through these declarations, David doesn't get out of his trouble. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What are your enemies today? Joblessness or fear of. Marital stress or fear of. I don't know if I'm gonna get to, you know, what am I gonna do next year? The schools are closed you know, uh, my money's running out. Uh, whatever it is, uh, he prepares a table for you in the presence of my enemies. David says three times in these passages, you prepare a table for me, you anoint my head with oil, it is your goodness and your love. What's he saying? It's not David's commitment to God, it's God's commitment to David that saves him. It's not David's pursuit of God, it's God's pursuit of David that changes him. Surely your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. Listen, this is the whole Christian life. Every promise, every verse is built on this one great truth that God's love pursues you. And this is what David's declaring. Last verse, same chapter 10, uh, Jesus in John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill 
and to destroy, see? We all have enemies, and they're out there, right? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The thief comes only to kill and to steal, to, to kill and to destroy. Why does Jesus say that? Because he knows that's where you live your life. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, right? I can go after the lion. I can go after the bear because you are with me and your love is with me, amen? I have what I need. I can go where he leads me. His love pursues me, amen? Now, last, I'm gonna close. I'm done. Before I pray, I wanna, I wanna challenge you with an opportunity, okay? All of you listening to me. One of the best ways to face your fears and your anxieties, which are real, is to get outside of your own head, to get outside of your own life, right? And actually to serve other people, right? That's how you do it. And you don't, and even the, even the great coronavirus shouldn't stop you and stop me from serving other people. So one of the things, we've shared about different things in Browncroft Cares, but one thing that we can, you can do, you can take a part of today, Okay, in the next few hours. You might have uh, heard Josh Eisenhardt or others talk about Flower City Work Camp Weekend Edition. What is Flower City Work Camp Weekend Edition? Flower City Work Camp Weekend Edition is a very short version, one day version of what this church and others have done for 35 years. That is serving um, some of the neediest people in our city through home uh, renovation, rehabilitation in Jesus' name. And we've taken this great experience which was suspended like a lot of things were in the spring and summer of 2020 and we've this week-long experience that we normally do in April uh, March and April and we've created two single days August 1st and 15th two Saturdays coming up and we just have 10 homes we already have the the worksite leaders that is the professional so to speak but we need both volunteers to populate those 10 sites and we need some money to pay the bill for these renovations for these homes in our city that have already been pre-selected so here's what we need we needed originally 80 people and we needed ten thousand dollars we have 35 people and about fifty four hundred dollars so here's the challenge 45 and 45 i just made this up right we need 45 people uh, to either on the first or the 15th of august and we need $4,500, um, and, and that will complete what we need, and we need it by today. So this is, a, this is a great challenge, church. And all you need to do, if you want to sign up for one of these two um, opportunities, or you want to just, you know, Zelly or Venmo or whatever you do, okay, we, Mike has a way to do that, but send us the money, okay, to pay for these. You can do it at browncroftcares.org today. Okay, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the amazing privilege to be here this morning. And Lord, I am just so grateful uh, that I can um, stand, we can still preach and teach the word of God and I can apply it to my life. I'm so grateful for this, um, this short but powerful passage of scripture that was penned uh, by David the psalmist of Israel, you know, thousands of years ago. 
for his time and his place that can speak to us today. Lord, help us to make a declaration or declarations of trust today that despite all that we may have lost or feel that we are losing, we have what we need in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can go where you lead, even through a dark valley. And Lord, because we affirm we are pursued by your love. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.